God's word, while you're turning to 1 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, in the ninth verse, I was finally something stuck in my my mind when Brother Johnny was talking about he and Brother Brown just stuck it out. We just stuck it out, and I was reminded of a story that was told one time where a man and his wife had been married for 75 years. They were still married together, I mean, you know, the same woman. <laughs> and uh, it was quite a day for them. They were celebrating that in a huge church. And they had the gentleman to stand and tell how they was able to no negotiate and stay married for 75 years. So he stood up, raised his full height, and everybody thought he was going to give out some real good pointers on how to stay married for 75 years. Stood up red back and squared himself and said, we stuck it out. <laughs> so we just have to stick some things out. <laughs> Praise the Lord. There's no set ways that we can do it. We just have to stick it out. Praise the Lord. So I've stuck it out for 36 years. <laughs> Maybe I'll get to stick it out for 36 more. And no problem for my wife, of course, but it has been for me. Everything's been beautiful for her. After all, she got me. God help her. Amen. He has. All right. We can have a little fun anyway. Also, Paul writing to the church at Corinth. Starts at the ninth verse, says, For I think that God hath set forth us the apostle last, as it were appointed to death. For we are made a spectacle unto the world, and to angels, and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake, but ye are wise in Christ. We are weak, but ye are strong. Ye are honorable, but we are despised. Even to this present hour, we both constructors that you might have in Christ. And I like the sister's testimony, we still just got one father. Amen. Somebody that has birthed right. you and taken care of you and right. and uh, uh, nursed you through and, and changed your diapers and picked you up and washed you off and all of this while you was growing up. Hallelujah. So you may have a lot of instructors and, and you will have, but just one father. You should remember that. All right. Father, we thank you tonight for the love and compassion that you have shown us. We thank you, Father, for those that have come. We've enjoyed the blessings of God with them. We've enjoyed the testimonies, Father, and the songs. It's blessed our heart. So we come to this portion of the service, Father, and we pray that as your word is opened up and expounded, that it would not return into your void. Father, we realize more than ever before our need for you. We realize that we have to have guidance of thy Holy Spirit. We realize that we have to have your mind have to have your thoughts. More than anything else, we have to have your anointing. We can do nothing or say nothing of any value unless you're in it. So, Father, we're just presenting ourselves as an instrument tonight to be used. There can be glo no glory found in us, only vessels to be used by the mighty hand of God, fit and shaped for that. And Father, whatever we do is of no value unless you're in it. So we pray tonight for your anointing. We need it. Pray, Father, that you would anoint the ears of those that listen. 
Father, that they might be ears that would hear. Anoint their feet, Father, that we be quick to go out into the world and testify and honor you. Hearts, O oh God, some way might be soaring to the heavens. I want to grasp your word, soul, Master, that cries out for the living word of God. We can't live without it, Master. It's our food. It's our water. It's our strength. So, Master, be with us tonight. We try to unfold your word. Try, Master, to upbuild your kingdom cause. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you for standing. You may be seated. And we ought to read again. The ninth verse and the tenth says, For I think that God has set forth us the apostle of last, as it were appointed to death, for we made a spectacle unto the world, and to angels, and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake. You're wise in Christ. We're weak, but you're strong. You're honorable, but we are despised. And I have read that many times. As I was reading it not too awfully long ago, some time ago, the word in the tenth verse challenged my thinking. Because he says there, the Apostle Paul writing says, We are fools for Christ's sake. And all through the Bible, we have quite a definition of fools. Proverbs gives us definition. 13.16 says, A fool layeth open his folly. Proverbs 14.9 says, Fools make a mock of sin. Proverbs 29.11 says, A fool uttereth all his mind. And Psalms 14 says, A fool hath said in his heart, There is no God. And so we're faced with those scriptures that tell us what a fool is, and then we're faced with the idea that the Apostle Paul said they were fools. That was the Apostles, and I think maybe he was talking to us today also, and, you know, I called you turkeys once, so I'm going to call you fools tonight. <laughs> is that all right? <laughs> but Paul says we are fools for Christ's sake, and we've just read you the definition of fools. So it makes you wonder sometimes what the Apostle Paul is trying to say. Is he trying to say that he's a fool, saying in his heart there is no God? Or a fool uttereth all of his mind? Or a fool is, uh, makes a mock of sin? Or what actually is he trying to say? And this bothered me for quite some time. You know, God began to deal with my heart, make me to realize that, that in, the, in the Hebrew, and we're just going to shorten this, I want to lay a foundation for what I want to say. In the Hebrew, the word for fool is sockhole, and it actually means fool, exactly what uh, terminology that uh, they use in Proverbs. Mm -hmm. Ancient Aramaic, it, the word for fool is kasil, and it means the same thing. But when we come to the Greek, the name for fool, or the word translated for fool in here, is geste, G-E-S-T-E. And actually, that's a derivative from jester. Or actually, it means a clown. <laughs> All right? And Paul is saying here, we are clowns for Christ's sake. Amen. We are court jesters for Christ's sake. Mm -hmm. Now, as far back as can be recorded, an individual similar to a court jester has been used in every kingdom. If you know anything about kingdoms and know anything about kings, usually at the time and height of depression, and so the court jester was called in. 
to give a little mirth and uh, to what was going on. And their popularity reached its height in the Roman Empire, and their primary purpose then was not to amuse. They was called in when the administrative pressures of the kingdom got the greatest. And of course they dressed different and they acted different from their usual people and sometimes what they said and the way they said it brought a lightness of heart. But in them was sound judgment and solid advice. And it was always well. In the writings of Proverbs that the heart or the mind or where we are uh, will eventually affect the body. A merry heart will affect the body and we can become merry, but a broken spirit drives the bones. Uh, doctors have said now that this, a lot of times, is the cause of arthritis. Drying mm -hmm. up the bones and what have you. And I remember a story uh, that some Vietnam veterans have told uh, when they came out that there was two men placed in the same prison, in the same uh, prison, and there was just muck and mire there. They had one little window that looked up. And the one man there could see nothing but the muck and mire that he was standing in. Mm -hmm. He could see nothing else, and uh, he took arthritis and some respiratory diseases, and he died. But the other man, in the same condition, same age and everything, same physical condition, kept his eyes off of the muck and mire that he was standing in, and looked up through the sign of balance and how to keep a balance in his life. Now, Judy Collins, in her song, says something like this. Sometimes things get so confusing that the only ones that can give meaning to the meaningless are the clowns. So she sings, and this is a worldly song, but uh, it, it kind of pricked my heart when she was singing it. But she sings, we need the clowns. Where are the clowns? There ought to be some clowns. I said all that to say this, that the more I read the scriptures, the more I'm aware that she is right. The more I read the scriptures, the more I realize that this thing we have handed to us was and still is held together, so to speak, by a bunch or a group of clowns as far as the world can see and understand. The most surprising, the most unexpected, the most foolish-looking acting individuals that God or anyone else could find. I thought of little Aaron Wilburn's song, Brother Buford, as he sang that he was a Baptist boy, and he had never been to Pentecost. All he had known is what they said. And uh, he heard one time they was having a revival. And that's been some time ago when folks acted different than they do now. That's, you know, we've got so sophisticated that we've got out of our clown suits. Amen. So, all right, we've got out of our clown acts, you know. We set so sophisticated and so proud and sometimes our lips never open to praise God or give him honor and say God told me you would be healed thank God man we need some clowns in this day and hour we need somebody that's excited about the Lord Jesus Christ and so she sings where are the clowns and I look and I see some of the most surprising unexpected foolish looking and foolish acting individuals that God or anybody else could ever have. I looked out whenever I, I looked out and I watched people lifting their hands and their eyes was closed. And they was honoring and praising God in song. And I thought, now the world wouldn't understand this. The world has no idea. And as far as they're concerned, we're just clams. As far as they're concerned, we're just somebody putting on an act for them. 
But as far as God is concerned, that's somebody whose heart has been broken. Somebody whose pride has been broken. Somebody in whom God has spoken to. And he lifts his hand and raises them to heaven. And he don't care what anybody says. And he don't care what anybody thinks. He only cares what God thinks about his life. And friend, in this day and hour when the powers of hell are so strong, wherever we go and whatever we do, sometimes it's just hard to turn loose and say, God, whatever I've got to be. But listen, friend, you are marked anyway. As far as the world is concerned, when you embrace this, you're a fool, you're a clown, so to speak. And we need to recognize that. But I've looked out, I watched people big and fat, and I watched them real skinny, and I watched them young, and I watched them old, I watched them emotional inside, and I watched them with display of emotions outside, and I thought, yes, this is a bunch of clowns, certainly is, and certainly God could have chose almost anyone else, but I want you to look all down through the Bible, what God did, he played, chose them all clowns, I want you to look at old Noah, supposedly a, a very a very good man, stabilized man, supposedly well-liked in his community, and God came to him one time and said, no, I'm going to destroy this earth by water, and I want you to build me a boat. Well, God didn't say that to anybody else but to Noah. And so Noah had two things he could do. He could either stay in the sanctuary where he was at and still be recognized as good old solid Noah, had never crossed anybody, had never acted any different than anybody else, or he could get his hammer and nails and his servants and some wood and get the type of wood to gopher wood, and gopher wood's not supposed to float, and he could get gopher wood, hands and nails and pitch and tire, and he could start out there building a boat on dry ground when it never rained. And so he had two, two things he could do. He could either be a good old boy, and he could be recognized by the surrounding community and crowd, or else he could be a man that they would call a clown, a silly old fella, out there building a boat anyway. Amen? I wonder if God's got any clowns today. I wonder if he's got anybody here. Look at Moses. Moses was a murderer. Moses was a stutterer. And uh, yet God chose him and said, You go and tell that old Pharaoh to let my people go. Now, isn't that stupid? I mean, here he couldn't talk anyway. And somebody said, well, he gave him Aaron. He did, but God didn't need Aaron. Moses is the one that needed Aaron. And he wouldn't have needed him if he recognized God's power. It's as great as what it is. But he called old Moses. Moses couldn't talk. Moses already went out into the desert someplace. He had lost all the end that he had with the payroll. And yet God chose him and said, you go tell that man to let my people go. Moses already killed somebody. And Moses couldn't speak. So Moses had two things to do. Go ahead and live his own life. Play a low profile. Don't make any waves. And everybody will think you're all right. Or else take God at his word. And do that stupid thing that God told him to do. Stand before that mighty king by himself. And say, let my people go. Don't, can't you just imagine at first what Pharaoh thought about that little man? about how silly that must have looked. Old Moses coming out from the desert, already giving up all the uh, rights to rulership that he had, and Moses coming out of the desert, had that rod in his hand, walked up there before Pharaoh, pointed his finger in his face, and said, God told me to let the, to fire you to let my people go. <laughs> he must have been a lot different. 
Amen? And let's look at David. David, a little man with a, a kid with a slingshot. And yet God tells him there's a giant there that needs destroyed. He'd already, he'd already in a sense conquered all of Israel's army. Because they were afraid to fight. And little David comes up and says, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that dares challenge the living God? Who is he anyway? Why, in other words, are you the army allowing him to do this? And God moves on David and said, You tell him you will fight that giant. Look how stupid the little fellow must have looked. I mean, the greatest, bravest men that there was in the army had not dared to look at Goliath in the eye. And yet, God told him that he ought to. David accepted the challenge. I want you to look how foolish that must have been for this little man, clothed with a loin cloth, so to speak, had a slingshot and five stones, and he was running out there to meet a man three times bigger than he was that was faced with armor and a sword that David couldn't have even lifted, and he says, God's going to destroy you by my power. Must have looked stupid. David must have surely looked like a clown. And these are the type of people God has always used. Let's look at John the Baptist. Coming out of the desert and out of the wilderness with a leaf and girdle about him and his meat was locusts and wild honey. And yet he stands there on that famous hill and has the audacity to begin preaching about the sins of Israel and the sins of that generation. And when they come to him, he, that funny-looking creature, wasn't dressed right, didn't have a tie on or whatever they wore those days, wasn't dressed like a preacher at all. He didn't have a preacher's look. He didn't look like a preacher, but he had a message that they didn't have for that day. Hallelujah. I think when God begins to move in this area, the power of the Holy Ghost came down and flooded the souls of individuals and called little ignorant men and had never been to seminary and never been to school and had been to Get up from there. 
you better swallow pride and forget what the world thinks about you. In other words, this world needs some crowns in it, thank God. It knows some people that have our normal image. And it might challenge hearts and lives of individuals. And look at old Simon Peter, the biggest clan of them all. On today and off tomorrow. Hallelujah, man that's saying you're the Christ, the Son of the living God, and then cursing in darkness of the night, and said, I knew that never knew the man. And yet God reached down, and he chose that individual, and to give him a revelation, as Peter said, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God, and he said, upon this rock, I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Friend, he must have been quite a sight in those days, but yet, in spite of who Peter was, in spite of what he was, in spite of what he did, it was his revelation that brought to us the wonderful things we are. And so God calls them tax collectors, public sinners. <laughs> Hallelujah. Think about it, how God described those citizens of his kingdom, clowned every one of them, pure and awful life. He can take them from the, the bottom, bottoms of despair and despondency and discouragement and he can take them that's been every place in this world and he can take them from the riches and he can set them all there together and by his power he can glue them together and make them a workable body. Thank God that the world can't put asunder and put down. But we're faced with that, clowns, individuals that God chose to build his church with. But do we build churches with those people today? I don't think so. Give us the great athletes. Give us the beauty queens. Give us the celebrities. Those who are successful. Those who are secure. Those who have got big churches. And those who are well recognized. Give us those people. But the question still rings out from the song. Where are the clowns? Where are the individuals that's different from everybody else? That's what the world is wanting to see. Somebody that's different to do. And so here's this man that claimed to be the son of God. That claimed to be a king. That said he was all the time, and even at times even made the statement that he was God. Had all the power that he actually needed at his fingertips, and yet he walked through life, laying his head on the stone for a pillar. Had no certain dwelling place whatsoever. Has shunned the high priest and all of those. Shunned the synagogues in a sense, because they couldn't satisfy that hunger in his heart. In other words, he was so different. And he attracted individuals to him. Because they wasn't interested in how he looked. They was interested in what he had to give them. Hallelujah. What could he punish them? And there he was. He walked through life. Grew up. 33 years or 30 years. Then he took his place. Three years and a half. He walked and talked among men. Opened the blinded eyes. Hallelujah. Caused the deaf to hear, unplug their ears. Caused those that were lame to walk and even raise the dead. And yet he was so different than anybody that had ever walked the shores of Galilee. He was so different than what the modern mind of man thought he ought to be. And yet here was the Savior. He was God right in the middle of them. Doing what he knew he had to do. And then, clown as it might seem, they took him. They went to the garden and they got him. Look at him now. At all the times before that they sought to get him and they couldn't. One place said in passing through the midst of them, he went his way. 
had left this time because it was the appointed hour. This time he allowed those hands to keep him. He allowed these hands to judge uh, to bring him to the judgment hall. He allowed soldiers to smite him. He allowed them to crown him with a crown of thorns. He allowed them to whip him until his back was mutilated. He allowed them to do all types of sadistic things to him. And he was still claiming that he was the God of the universe and the King of Israel. What a foolish man. Clown he must have been. Amen. And yet, there he was, and that's not all. Peter thought he ought to fight. And so Peter cuts off the ear of the individual, and Jesus said, put up your sword. And Peter was wondering, that's all I've got to fight with. What a strange man this was. But here was somebody ready to fight for him, and he says, put it up. And then he puts the ear and heals the ear of the servant. What a strange man. This servant probably just smote him. This servant was responsible for some of the abuses he told him, and yet he heals his ear. What a strange individual. Not at all like anybody else had anybody they were knowing. And yet the Bible sounds out loud and clear down to the ages of time to your day and mine and says he is our example. As he is, so we ought to be. There should be nothing ashamed in our life about trying to be like Jesus. The world heaps abuses, so let it show them some goodness of God. And then here he comes. They're finally through with him. So they put a cross on his back. He's already weak. He was weak and he came out of the Garden of Gethsemane. You imagine that great power and strength of God dwelling in him. And yet so bodily weak. What a strange man. What an odd individual. And he never tried to be like anybody else. I think that's what bothers me. I think that's what challenges my life. As I see individuals that God dwells in them. And they try so hard to be like everybody else. We sometimes try so hard to get our churches fitting the mold that everybody wants them to fit. And we've forgotten what God wants out of our life. It shouldn't matter how we look, and it shouldn't matter much how we act. What should matter is whether souls are being born into the kingdom of God or not. And what it takes to get them there. And so they crucify. Hang him on the cross. He makes no attempt to get off. Though he could, you know. But he stayed there. Destiny of man hanging the balance that day. Never could have wrote a New Testament if it had to end it with the old. Never could have written a new one. He had to fulfill his purpose. What a strange man with 10,000 angels at his disposal. All he needed was just one thing from him. Deliver him to that pain and agony that he Yet the Bible says he never said a word. He didn't open his mouth. He was there for a reason. He cried out that reason. When he said, I first, every cry he cried on the cross was not a cry for himself. He was that selfless that any time he cried a cry, it was for somebody else. When he said, I first, he wasn't crying for himself. 
He was crying for Israel that was surrounding there. They were dry, their land was dead. And he was the fountain of living water that could have opened up and, and, and uh, give water to their barren land and their barren spirit. And even in his agony, he concerned about his mother. He introduced her to John and said, John, take her and take care of her. What a strange individual that we call our God. A clown by the terminology of the world. No wonder Paul said we're fools, we're clowns, and that's for Christ's sake. There's reasons why we're different. There's reasons why we go different places and do different things and act different ways. And look at Jesus. What a clown in the eyes of man. But the circus is over now. The cross is in. Hallelujah. They took him down. They put him in a barred tomb, and that's not over. Not only is the cross empty, but the circus really is over. The grave is empty too. Couldn't hold him, hallelujah. I said it couldn't hold him. It tried his best to hold him, and there was no way it could hold him. And the hand came, that great omnipresent spirit of God walked in there, picked up that body, and walked out triumphant over death, hell, and the grave. Never had anybody ever done that before. And when he walked out of there, he brought life with him and looked down to your day and mine and said, that's for you. You can have it. There's no use of dying a devil's hell in the grave. It belongs to you. We kind of foolish when we reach out into this world and minister. The Bible says, by the foolishness of preaching, it pleased God to save them that believe. But have you ever... Watch clowns in a rodeo show. Have you ever, if you haven't, turn on sometime when they're having them on your television if you've got one. Not to go to somebody else's house and watch it. For this reason, you watch them there. There they are in their painted faces. Got on their baggy pants. They're hiding in open-ended bar- barrels. Very funny. Very amusing they are. Yes, they are. But you let a writer fall off. You let a writer get into trouble. And you watch these individuals begin to go out and protect that defenseless man. Watch them risk their own life for that writer that's in danger. Could be gored by the bull or hurt or something like that. And they get out of their open-ended barrel, so to speak. And they attract the attention of that danger, whatever it might be. Have you ever seen that where where that uh, that bull sometimes close to going them or destroying them and these clowns will go out there with their annex and they'll get the attention of that, of that bull and draw it away to them, away from that defenseless individual? That's a clown. He looks funny in what he's doing. He's out of the ordinary, but he's the bravest man there is. Look at all the people up there in, in, in those uh, uh, bleachers or whatever they have there. Look at all them up there, big he-men of all time. Look out there at the others as they're sitting in the security and safety of where they're at. And nobody is out there between the danger of that individual that's off of his horse 
that old funny looking clown that comes to the rescue every time. Hallelujah. Well, I like to say this. We look kind of funny in the baggy pants of our theology. We look pretty funny sometimes in the painted faces of our traditions and the open-ended barrels of our ethics and our morals. That friend, when somebody is hurt and sick and needs somebody, let's get in the center of the ring, thank God, and show them that we still have what God wants us to have. And we can still protect from danger and the healing virtue of the Lord Jesus Christ still lives from His church and the power of the Holy Ghost is just as good as it was back years ago. It's still alive. Hallelujah. And it's still vibrant and it's still challenging in our lives. We may not look like the world wants us to look. And I'll say it again. We look a lot pretty silly in the baggy paints of our theology. We have a lot of silly things that we do. A lot of things oughtn't to be done. Painted faces of our traditions. God help us. There's no more traditionalized people than Pentecost. How many of you know that? I mean, we just got them. Amen. Who was it said the other day? Uh, Brother Buford, that's you that God gave us ten commandments and then we had to make up four hundred in order to, to tell us what the ten said. And we have done that, haven't we? Mm-hmm. I mean, God's given us some commandments and we make up our own as to what it means. Then we have our ethics and we have our morals. Mm-hmm. Open-ended barrels of them all. We're funny-looking people. People laugh at us sometimes for the way we do and the way we act. How we don't get excited about a lot of things they get excited about. A lot of times these same people that laugh when everything's going fine get struck down from their high place. Mm-hmm. They're lying defenseless. Mm-hmm. The devil is right there ready to attack them. Mm-hmm. The same people they laugh at. Same people they call clowns. We're where God wants us to be. We'll forget what they have said. We'll forget that they laughed. We'll just place ourselves between that danger that stands and them and protect them. That's what a clown is. Paul said we're clowns for Christ's sake. We're different. Made to be different. Made to act different. The warning and the coldness came into Pentecost when we got tired of being called clowns. Mm-hmm. When we got tired of being looked upon as different. Mm-hmm. We decided that we'd be just like the rest of the world. We'd get up preachers that could stand and look pretty, and make the right gestures, say the right thing, stand proud and tall, and we'll get us people don't really get too emotional about anything, we'll build us a church just like everybody else. So they have. Few and far between. Our individuals would finally say, I don't care. I'm not concerned. God, what do you want? Do you want to use me tonight, Lord? I do. Do you want me to do something tonight? I'm ready. Do you want me to talk? I'm ready. Do you want me to keep my mouth shut? How do you want 
God, you made me. Mm -hmm. What do you want me to do? I want to tell you something. My soul in a sad cry for what I know ought to be a move of God. A revival stirring in our hearts. People on the shame. What God wants to do in your life. Burning, fiery testimonies of individuals that's been salvaged from the scrap power of humanity. Set on fire. Ready to move to God. We need to be that God help us to be. We are fools, Paul said. Court gestures, plan, whatever, was certainly supposed to be different. Amen. Amen. God help <coughs> Never to take on the attributes of anyone other than God. Keep our souls stabilized. He's called you for him. You already marked. So you just as well get plenty. There's no way out of it now. People know you're plenty. People know that you just believe there's not a dozen gods running around here that just know. People know that you're so different from the majority that you've been buried in his name, took on the family name. People know you believe in speaking in tongues and you receive the Lord. People know that. So you're not fooling now. That's just be yourself. Amen. Amen. Bow your heads just a Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, make us what we all be. Make us not to be ashamed. Musicians who come, just keep your head down for the moment. Hallelujah. How many of you are glad? belong to Jesus. You would just like to be identified with Paul when he says we are two years to Christ. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Would you stand?